Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot-tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with multiple locations in Danville and one in Pittsburgh. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com. This is Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger. Alan is a Hendricks County native that talks with your favorite entertainers. This is where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Sights and Sounds is sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And now your host, Alan Kiger. This is Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and my guest today is Don Barnes of 38 Special. Don, how's your day going? Oh, it's great, Alan. Thanks for having me on, bud. Uh, we're we're excited to have you on here. I've been a fan of 38 Special for a long time. I don't say how long, or it'll make me sound old, and it'll make you sound old. So, <laughs> well, you know, we all we, we all started, you know, uh, with the young young guys, and we all made our mistakes in public, you know. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's the. I remember one year for this isn't one of the questions, but one year for Christmas, you know, when when I was younger, my sister made me a uh, a needlepoint, and she put my favorite bands in it and you guys were in there and I still have that needle point to this day that oh. she made me so oh, that's great. yeah that's, made with love, it, it was made with love you know back when she didn't have any money so that's that's the okay. that's the important part well Don I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some some basic questions so our listeners kind of have an idea you know they might not know um a lot of times people know songs, but they they don't put the song into the band or vice versa. Sure, yeah. uh, I've, always, I've always said it, you know, music is, uh, you know, recreational, not educational. A lot of people don't know the members of the band or, you know, who did the, the what, but they remember the, the sound and the, the songs. Absolutely. So you're one of the founding members. You started this with Donnie Van Zandt, if I'm correct, back in 1974. That's right. We were just out of high school. We we went we played in about eight other bands before, and they just kind of flaked away, and guys wouldn't show up. You know, so Donnie was gonna. We I got a day job, drove a truck, and did the landscape. I was a landscape foreman, and I was a pest control man. I was married at nineteen with a baby, so I had to go had to go to work. You know, so but Donnie was gonna go work for the railroad on his second secretary job or something, but. something there that I've never touched on with an artist before that kind of kind of makes me wonder something if it would have if it would have been instant would it have been as good as it is now I don't, you know think, what I, yeah, I don't think you appreciate it as much you know uh, uh, there was a time where Ronnie Manzan he, he had told uh, 
an agent. He's just kind of broken down agency. So, but uh, give them, you know, give, give, put them, book them in, in bad in bad places, and, and don't don't go easy on them. I want them to suffer. And we were like, we were younger. We were, we were but Ronnie was five years older than us. And so we went and did this, you know, circuit, and it was you wake up in the middle of Kansas, you know, in the back of a gritty uh, a van and a gritty mattress was stuck to your neck, your sand, and you know, and we just at the time thought, why, why would he do this to us? Well, well, in hindsight, looking back through the lens, you look back, you realize he knew that if you went through hardships together, then it builds that character, it builds that camaraderie, that you're a brotherhood then, because you've all suffered together. If it was like just, you know, wine and roses, people would just flake away and not and just not appreciate it, basically. So we realized that that was why, why he did that. It was one of those things that you, uh, you're kind of a support group. You know, you got one guy that might want to go, yeah, I don't know, this is not working out, I don't have any money. And we had two crew guys, and we had to pay them, and we made nothing. Oh, we, had, we, we made zero. But we had to pay those guys because they're not going to work for free, you know, so we had to pay them. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's just a support group. One guy feeling like, I'm going to leave this. And it's just, you know, five other guys saying, oh, man, come on, it's right around the corner. Well, that right around the corner was a pretty wide corner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we stuck it out, you know. So. Well, you so had somebody... It's a testament to the fortitude of, of, of young guys sticking it out and doing it. You know. Well, you had somebody that was that was pretty smart in telling you that. That wasn't just anybody. So yeah. I, I he was a big mentor, man. He told us, "Don't try to be a clone of somebody. Of something's already happened." Because that's what we were doing. We were copying, you know, whether it was a, a couple of Skinner song, we were copying Charlie Daniels or Marshall Tucker at the time. It was in the mid seventies, so Southern Rock at that time. And, and he said, you're, you're going about it all wrong. Don't, don't try to be a clone of something that's already happened. That, that's not going to get you anywhere. Try to find what makes your heart sing. What are your influences? Put your own influences into what moves you. And we sat around. We realized we were more melody-oriented. We weren't, you know, the whiskey and the alligators and the bad women. We were more we were more British Invasion fans, Beatles fans, animals, and just all that stuff. So we we started putting a, a, a different form together you know so it took it took three albums to actually find that sound okay well let's go touching on that when you were when you were a kid i would say when maybe music started coming to you who were your influences in music you mentioned the beatles and the british invasion was that what sparked maybe you wanting to be a musician uh earlier than that i was I was listening to, you know, this is like old stuff, it's, you know, 60s artists, Dusty Springfield, uh, loved Spencer Davis group, uh, Steve Winwood, you know, the vocals and Paul Rogers and Free, you know, uh, guitars, of course, we all wanted to be Eric Clapton, you know, we were young, we were slowing the records down, remember those days, we had to <laughs> yeah. put, put, the, put, the th- put the 33 and a third down to 16 and a third and try to, try to work out guitar licks off of, off of a turntable, you know, but, so, yeah, we had the posters of uh, all of, you know, Iron Butterfly and Flat Cream and Hendrix and all that stuff. So we had those early things. But as far as vocally, it was more, more that kind of thing. Steve Winwood, Dusty Springfield. Uh, my dad was a music teacher, I mean, music director in a church, a Baptist church. So I got the early 
rumblings of cycles of fifths on the piano and all that. So, it, uh, you know, and then you had to, uh, Jacksonville was a Navy town and there was a lot of sailor, sailors clubs. There was, first of all, like four Navy bases there. So everybody from, that's people ask, what was it about Jacksonville? Well, it was, the, it was like a Liverpool because it was a port town and you had naval bases with sailors clubs and enlistment clubs and they had to entertain enlistment clubs while they're there. So you had these, you know, bands with 15 years. I'm talking about Dwayne Allman, Greg Allman, Ronnie Vance, and all those people. We all played sailors clubs at 15 years old. You know, you make a hundred bucks a week and you make some big money, you know. So, uh, but we learned the craft of songwriting at a really early age. You learned the, the patterns of how things are the payoff in a song. And because it, it really is a, a craft, you know, so there's a, an A section, a B section, and a ramp that goes to the chorus and an outro and a bridge. So you start seeing where, where the top, the peak is, the peak of a song. And, uh, you know, it, uh, you get, you get pretty proficient at, at uh, covering the hits of the day. There was Three Dog Night and, you know, Blood, Blood, Sweat and Tears and all that. And then you get a little cocky and you start saying, well, I can write my own songs now. And that's when you go starve for the next 10, <laughs> ten years. Because <laughs> nobody's ever heard of you, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> Well, well, let's jump back. If I'm if I'm correct here from from my research, um, you got your first record deal in '76. Was when the first one was put out. Am I correct in that? That's correct. Um, Thirty eight. Thirty eight special has sold over twenty million albums, which is you know that's huge by by any numbers. Um, I'm just going through some of the things that I like and some of the hits that I remember, uh, Hold On Loosely, Caught Up In You, Rockin' Into The Night, and my favorite uh, would probably be Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. That It just kind of had that that feel that I that I really loved. And there's many others. You had songs in, in movies. I remember uh, going yeah. to see in a Nick Nolte movie. I think it was Teachers, Teachers, and you guys had yeah, a song in it. Um, all of those are in our show. We put all the history, we unfold it all, uh, we put we connect songs into each other, we put a couple of medleys together, many medleys, and, and so it's it's a real ride. We take the audience for a ride from the it's about a hundred minutes, you know, all the way through. And it's exciting and it's it's always up tempo and building the whole time. Big finish. And uh, so it's a great great job to bring that kind of joy to people, you know. Well, I'll tell you, I'm I'm a music nut. I can't I can't wait to see you. But one of the one of the questions I want to ask you is, after you know you started this in '74, you got the record deal in '76. Other than I mean, everybody has to have a job, but at some point you know people do retire. But it seems like musicians just keep on keep on going, and it's the, I guess the lever the passion. But what drives you to be on the road and put on those hundred shows a year? You know day after day, week after week, year after year, for all those years. What is, is it that, go ahead. I can say it's the dream happened, the dream came true. It's what, it's what you always wanted as a kid, you know. We saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan show, you know. We, we looked at these guys smiling and having a great time, and the girls are screaming, and it's like, you know, that's the job I want. I want to hang out with my buddies. <laughs> Yeah, and then you pursue it, and it actually 
actually did work out after a lot of suffering, after a lot of sacrifice, a lot of pain to do. It's not something I recommend anybody try. You know, it's it's a, uh, it's, it's a long road of uh, sacrifice, putting it number one. You've got to put it above anniversaries and holidays because you're, you're rehearsing all the time. You have to be five steps ahead of yourself. You've got contractual obligations if you have a record deal. You know, there were times when, when we were go on the road nine months of promoting an album and playing arenas and you know all over the country theaters and building ourselves up and after nine months it's like the, the record company wants to uh, you, know, you have obligation you, there's a release date six months from then and you don't have an idea of one single note that's just going to be there in a release six months from then. So you set about with your little ideas, little seeds of things. You try to put put things together and you build it. And uh, you know, I was dating a woman at the time, and I said, you know, I just can't seem to get your work done. I'm just so caught up in you all the time. Oh just wow! Like that. Just, oh wow! Just came out. And songwriters have to have that antenna out that for anything in the lexicon that that works as a good title or a good emotion, a good feeling. So I thought at the time it was like a light bulb. I said, you know, that's, that's not a bad song title. So caught up in you, I, I could I could elaborate on it. It's playing major chords, so it's about, it feels uplifting and happy. And, and to this day, people say, man, I, I feel the same way when I'm that, you know, so caught up in you. And I never did suspect a thing. That was the next line. Jim Peter, he was going to take that one out. He didn't really care. I said, no, no, you leave that line in. Because <laughs> that's exactly that's what true. people feel. It is. I didn't suspect a thing, but I now I found it, you know. So anyway, so all those songs, they all came from real life experiences if I'd been the one was a was a song that uh, it was about a girl that uh, was a, she lived in Texas and it was kind of a long distance romance I had with her and uh, you know and it, it's crazy to get mixed up with some traveling musician you know but she was you know I was on, on phone calls long distance with her you know all that but she called one day and said you know I just asking for your blessing because I'm going to get married I met this guy I don't know so it just it was breaking my heart because I thought well I thought we were going to do something but you know you look at it you say well how would you feel if I had said that to you what if I'd been the one to say goodbye what if I turned to you so you turn that perspective around so it's all again songwriting that craft you start trying to put truth in it and if you put truth in songs they can't be denied you know you can say all day long, ooh, baby, I need you, I miss you, you know, but if, if it's a real story, uh, people relate to it. They say, I, I felt the same way. So that's what the art of songwriting is, is actually tapping into real emotions. Well, you tapped into something here that I, that I don't usually relate to as much rock as I do country, and you guys are definitely, I would consider you a rock band, a southern rock band, but you do tell stories in your songs, a lot like yeah. a country song does. Um, Absolutely, a lot of trees and country songs. Yes, there is. Okay, so Don, you've had gold albums. You've toured for forty plus years. You've sold twenty million albums. You've had number one songs. Was there a point in your life? And this this isn't an arrogant type question, but was there a point in your life where you said, "I've made it"? You know, I've I've achieved my dream. I I set out and I've I've got done what I wanted to do. Well, you know, you're always comparing yourself to other other successful artists, you know. So, uh, you know, you 
you look at you two and you see how huge they are worldwide, it's like, well, yeah, I would like to be that, you know, but I, we didn't quite get there. So you're constantly uh, trying to look bigger, you look at the bigger things. And I, I got to say, back in the days we were playing arenas all over the country, we never really could stop and enjoy it at the time because, again, you have to be five steps ahead of yourself. So you're playing arenas, they're selling out arenas. But you couldn't really relax because you got to be you got to be that far ahead of yourself because it's happening. And if it's happening, that means you're extra busy. You're really loaded up with scheduling and interviews, everything else that goes along with it. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people that you know, these like these actors you know, they have to go out and they have to promote a movie that got on TV shows and that kind of thing. Well, it's a lot of work. You know, they have to talk about it, but. That movie was a year ago. They're working on some new movie, but they've got to go and, and promote it because that's part of their content. So you're constantly busy. And it's uh, even today, I can say, you know, yeah, I guess I guess I did make it, you know. But, uh, you know, you're still looking for something beyond that, you know, which is good. You're always looking for something beyond it. Never, never say be complacent you don't want to be complacent i've told people that like the show out there we've never we 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 don't slack up we stack up people think oh they're a little older band they must like bring chairs out and just sing sing this oh no we dig in we're right in there it's 110 percent. we play those songs probably perform them better than they were in the first place you know so uh that's another thing people ask about how often do you, do you play your songs? You, you get tired of playing. Well, we see the instant reactions of people. We see them singing along, high fiving, tears in their eyes, whatever. And it makes you want to play those songs with the same passion as the first day you recorded it. So, uh, you know, that, that, that making it is all kind of subjective, I guess, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's boring, you know, nice lifestyle and everything. But uh, I, I, would, I would also want more, you know. I, I, I don't, I, not material things, but just to get your music out there and have people appreciate it as well you know sometimes the new the new stuff is not not people are paying attention to it you know mccartney a beetle puts a new album out and he's not really sell a lot of records you know but, but it's a beetle you know so yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you do <laughs> you compete with mccartney <laughs> well you kind of keyed in on something there that i've i've focused in on my life when i'm listening to music and going to concerts and a song always brings you back to a point in time, and you talked about some of the songs that you wrote. Do you? Is it? Is it a nice feeling to know that you are you are people's soundtrack to their life? You, your song was played when somebody got married, somebody broke up, somebody was running around with their friend. Is it? Is that just a great feeling to have? That is an absolute thrill. Let me tell you, that is a thrill. We did not expect that. We were trying to get on the radio. We were hard working and, and not not succeeding. We were we were failing. You know, uh, you have to accept that. You, you it's about ninety percent, ninety five percent failure and five percent success. You have to write five hundred songs to maybe publish fifty. So, you know, the the fact that those songs were inter intertwined in someone's history, their their nostalgia for it, everything. It's the greatest thrill in the world to know that they appreciate it and when they come out and they see the show man we 
we see them. We see a song might remind them of someone they lost years ago, and it gets me a little choked up. You just yep. see it. I, I can't. I can't look at them. You know, I got to look over their head because I've got to see this. So I know how, I see their emotional reaction from it. And like I said, it's a it's a great job to bring that kind of joy to people. You know. Well, well, Don, back in the eighties. Uh, I hope I'm not bringing up anything bad, but you, you left the band and, and, and did a solo album um, through the mixes of, you know, record labels, uh, the way I read it, selling and, you know, merging. It kind of just got put on the shelf for a while. Um, it's called uh, Ride the Storm, if I'm correct. Do, do, you, do you perform any of those songs in a 38 special show? We do a couple of them off the off the album. We uh, again, we like to say we have different surprises there. But okay. uh, you know that the the reason why I walked away for a while was because again, you're back in that that uh, turn. What's the what's the treadmill? You're back on a treadmill of every to constant record and tour, record and tour. And so after so long, after fifteen, it was like sixteen years of it. You uh, realize that there's nobody waiting at home behind the door for you, you know, and you you want you realize there's more to to it than just that treadmill of the business part of it, you know. And so, uh, I mean, Getty Lee Rush said it famously in, in their biographies, and you know, we always wanted to do this, but it wasn't the only thing we wanted to do, you know. So, so there's other parts of, of life that you, know, you feel like they're a little bit lacking. So. At the time, I, I just wanted to step back and take a break from that treadmill. It was constant writing and touring, constant. And so uh, it wasn't anything personal with the guys. They, we, we were all still friends. We still uh, had our songs, the same publishing company and everything. And so when it was time for me to come back, that it was perfect. It was like it never happened. There was my time on stage. There was my mic stand and my, my amp. And, and uh, we just rocked with it, you know. So that's that's the reason behind that. It was uh, more just a personal thing. I, I needed a break, you know. Uh, you, get, you get a little burned out, you know. Okay, well, I've, I've got some fun questions for you. They're, they're kind of pretty fast questions, so you don't have to spend a lot of time on them. Um, I'll start off. The f- number one question a place, excuse me, favorite place that you like to eat on the road? Uh, probably Thai food. We're always looking for a good Thai restaurant somewhere. Okay. All right. Name a place that you would like to go that you haven't been to. Uh, well, it would be let's see, probably uh, somewhere in Spain, uh, Madrid. Barcelona. My net, my nephew is a trip leader. All these uh, tourists around the world, and he he sent me videos, and they're just gorgeous. We've been to Scotland, and France, and Japan. Uh, Japan's a great place to go to. I mean, they they really love American Western culture and everything. But uh, probably that some places may. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what format you listen to music, whether it's a CD or record or whatever. But what was the last artist that you listened to? Say you're in your car driving down the road. Or in the tour bus, who was the last person you listened to? Uh, uh, Derek Trucks. We we love him. He's a he's a master. This guy's just a genius. You know, just musically, his great band. His his wife. Uh, you know, she she's a great great artist too. Uh, the Tedeschi, Susan Tedeschi. Uh, but we yeah, we we put stuff like that on there. It's good good rolling down the road music. You know, 
I recommend it to anybody. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Uh, probably the uh, you know, things that touch the heart. We, we always like planes, trains, and automobiles. John <laughs> Candy and Steve Martin, you know. Great, great, great show. Great movies like that. Yeah, yeah. If you had not been a musician, what would you have liked to have done with your life if that, that dream had not come through? Uh, we started out, my brother and I were pretty good at baseball. He, he actually went pretty far, but uh, that, but also I was always interested in an early artist, and sound effects, sounds, any, any kind of thing in movies. I like I different sounds. And so we actually did some soundtracks where they wanted us to, to put some, you know, uh, weird guitar bay where somebody opens a door and it's a surprise and it's a, you know so it was one of those we inch through the time code of these movies and it really was interesting to, to make sound effects you know you know what folk folding artists is they, you know, yeah. they, they've got the mics and all their shoes and they're they're dubbing in all the sounds in movies so i always i thought it was interesting okay all right well that's all the quick questions i i want to say you keep talking about the arena and the arena I remember seeing you guys at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. It was October 1986. I still have the ticket stub. And a, and a little, hardly unknown band opened for you guys by the name of Bon Jovi. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how many shows they did with you, but um, I remember, I still remember that night. I remember it very well. You know, I remember Market Square Arena, and I, is it still up? Or they no, they oh, tore it down. What yeah. a foolish thing to do. I, I remember that being one of the ones that standouts to us. That was a great crowd, great show. Uh, bon Jovi, they toured with us for about three months, and they, we were the last headliner they, they toured with before they started headlining, and uh, they were great guys. They were about 10 years younger than us, so it was kind of watching, you know, the, the, we were the elders, you know, so. But uh, I remember coming in the afternoon and a sound check, and that is before cell phones, John was on the payphone there, and he, as I walked by, he hung the phone up. He went, "All right, all right." He was like fist pumping, and I said, "What?" He said, "Man, our album just went to number one." And I said, "Man, that is great. That is so brilliant. You're happy for anybody getting something good in this business because most of it, like I said, a lot of failure. So you see, you see these young guys really getting on the on the train. You know, number one album, and uh, they were great guys. So we had we, we ended up being Well, very cool. And you and you said you liked Market Square Arena, and I don't know. I'm, you might know this, but that was the that was the last place Elvis ever performed. Was at Market Square Is Arena? That right? Yes, and I, I think they should have just left it up for that reason and that yeah. reason alone. Right there's plenty. Yeah, we had just played in uh, recently in uh, Vegas, the International Hotel. That's where Elvis did 650 shows. He, that was all. Of his, that was his his hotel, his uh, venue. And I got to stay in Elvis' dressing room, and there was a little, you know, the colonel had him working, doing three shows a day, and there was a little bed back there, a little a single bed, and he would take naps between the between the shows. And uh, on the stage, they had redone the floors and everything, but they left one little oak uh, area, and they said this is where Elvis stood every night before they before he went out there, you know. And so I got to stand on that spot, <laughs> right where Elvis was. Well, that, that is very cool. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm going to talk just for briefly here real quick where you're going to be performing. You're going to be performing at the Pagoda 
at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Hendricks Regional Health, the legacy of giving, and this year the money that will be raised will be going to their uh, In the Fight Against Heart Disease. Now, I don't know if you've been to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or if you've been in the Pagoda. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So that's a pretty cool place. And uh, yeah, I haven't been to the Pagoda yet, but we've been to the track. We were up on turn one up there in a, in a suite. But uh, yeah, beautiful. We'd always love to go. We actually played on the track. For a while there, they had, uh, I think, NASCAR. Well, we, were, we played the first time NASCAR did their series. They, they, they first had stock cars there. Yeah. Uh, but they would roll out two uh, tractor trailers, and that was the stage, and they'd roll out two more tractor trailers, and that was the PA system. And we would be playing to you know, 100,000 people up in the stands, so that was a real experience for us. But we always had a great time there. Well, but anyway, that's a great great cause, great noble thing. I'm so, so glad to, to be part of it. Well, we I'm excited that you guys get to be there. I'm going to get to be there. Don, I want to yeah. say it's it's been a my honor to get to have you. I, I, I've been a long time fan, you know, and I, I only interview people that I like. I get asked to do other stuff, but if you haven't made an impact on my life, it's hard for me to put my creativity and my energy into wanting to do an interview. With, oh, so I, 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 I Well, I really do. It, you, your songs meant a lot to me and uh, to a lot of other people. Um, but, but thanks for taking the time so much to be a part of Sights and Sounds. And I wish you much continued success. Thanks so much. And the same to you. I wish you the best of your career. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad that they're, they're selling some tickets to the public for this, too, as well. I hope everybody makes it out. We're going to have a great time together. It's, it's everything you want to hear through the history. We take you for a ride. And uh, we don't lift, as they say in racing. <laughs> I like to hear that. You won't lift at the speedway if you're in an Indy car. So that's the perfect way to do that. You've been listening to Sights and Sounds with Alan Kiger, sponsored by Hawkeye Storage in Danville. And don't forget, if you miss a broadcast, you can hear the podcast at sightsandsoundspromotions.com, where Alan hangs out with music royalty. Hawkeye Self Storage in Danville has electricity hookups, 14-foot-tall doors, and 60-foot drive lanes, private bays, interior and exterior lighting with 24-7 access gated entry. They also feature indoor RV and boat storage with multiple locations in Danville and one in Pittsburgh. More information can be found by calling their phone number at 317-745-2700 or by going to their website, hawkeyestorageunits.com.